thank the worship team and Pastor Brent for leading us today. And uh, man, I just love being in the presence of Jesus with God's people, don't you? Isn't it awesome? Didn't you miss it last week? It is great to be together. And I want to thank you if you're joining us from home today. And uh, let me just say this, welcome back. I hope that you had a very Merry Christmas and uh, maybe your Christmas looked a little different this year. It was a little smaller perhaps, but I'm trusting that you were resting in the truth that Jesus has come and that Jesus is King. That's the series that we've been in and we'll pick that series up next week. Uh, let me con- can we congratulate the folks that finished the Bible in 100 days? Can we just give them a round of applause? I mean... that's something to celebrate. That's pretty awesome. Maybe you're jumping on that train in the new year. And then let me say this. I get to say it. Happy new year to everybody out there. Turn to your neighbor and say, we made it through 2020. Go ahead. Yeah. We will forever be able to look back and say how weird 2020 was, right? And and I'm not saying 2021 is not going to be any less weird, but I'll, I'll tell you what, as bad a rap as 2020 has gotten, I've talked to some people who said, you know what? This may have been one of the best years I've ever had. And you're like, say what? How could somebody say that? And I think it has a whole lot to do with choosing and continuing to abide in Christ Jesus. You know, there's some people who have chosen to put their faith and put their hope and anchor themselves to the one thing that never changes when everything else seems to be changing around them. And if you'll remember back in September at the beginning of our ministry year, right? That's when we run our ministry year at Gospel City, September to August. At the beginning of that year, we let you know what our theme was for the year. And it was this word, abide. And we started going through John chapter 15, talking about how we need to stay connected to the vine. That without Jesus, we are nothing. And yet with Jesus, we can draw life and joy and his presence and his power from the energy of all sources. And we can be pruned in our lives so that we can bear much fruit, not only much fruit, but an abundance of fruit. And, uh, I'm excited to continue into 2021 with that same theme. And John's gonna continue to speak to us today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter three, okay? 1 John chapter three. And John's gonna continue to speak to us today about this topic of abiding in Christ Jesus. And the title for today's message is simply this, Resolutions for a Gospel-Centered, Christ-Abiding Disciple. Resolutions for a gospel-centered, Christ-abiding disciple from John himself, who's taught us to abide in the vine, who is Christ Jesus. How, how are you doing with resolutions? Are you a resolutions person? Do you make resolutions? I'm not big on resolutions because I don't like to fail, so I just avoid them altogether, and then I try to live day by day the best that I can, you know? So maybe, maybe you have a whole list of resolutions. Today, John's going to give us some resolutions, and I believe that as the people of God, as disciples of Jesus, if we're careful to observe the things that we'll pull from God's word today, we can have a great year in 2021, regardless of what happens politically, regardless of what happens in health and science, regardless of what happens in your personal life. If we take heed to what God's word says today, I believe 2021 can be one of the best years we've ever had. Okay, so before we dig into these resolutions. I just want God's word to speak to us today. And so get your eyes on a copy of God's word, gather your family around the couch, dads, and let's listen to God's word together. We're going to pick it up in verse one of chapter three. Now hear the word of the Lord. 
see what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure." Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God, who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. This is our text for today. We may go a little beyond verse 10 as we dig in, but let me give you the first resolution, okay? I'm gonna, I got five resolutions for the Christ abiding disciple. Everyone's gonna start like this. Uh, the Christ abiding disciple resolves to, and you can put a semicolon if you want, and then we got five under that. So the Christ abiding disciple resolves to, number one, glorify God in gospel gratitude. To glorify God in gospel gratitude. Let's pick it up in verse one of chapter three, okay? John says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, the first word of the first sermon that you'll hear in 2021, probably the first sermon, John wants us to see, to stop, to look at, to gaze at, to wonder at, to marvel at the love that God has for his children. Sometimes we just simply have to be told to see because we are so prone to wonder past the goodness of God, aren't we? We're so prone to rush past all that God has done to save us, to bless us, to give us his new mercies. And John this morning says, see the kind of love that God has for you. If you read your Bible in the last hundred days, there's a word that continually popped up among God's people. The prophets and the leaders that God appointed, they continually told the people of God to remember, right? Remember his covenant, remember his promises, remember his law. And if you obey, you will find blessing. If you disobey, you will find curse. And yet time after time after time, after seeing the blessings and the goodness of God, the people of God chose to do what was right in their own eyes. Why did the prophets continually say remember? Why does John beckon us today to see the kind of love that God has for us because we forget. We are prone to forget. We wake up in the day and we get our eyes on our problems rather than on Jesus and his great love for us and we forget. 
You know, it would be a tragedy to read the entire Bible and to miss the story of salvation, the story of Jesus Christ saving grace in your life. It'd be a tragedy to read the whole Bible, to go to seminary, to read a bunch of books about theology and to miss the goodness of God in it all. See, theology is not so that you can puff up your mind with knowledge about who God is. Theology is for doxology. Theology is for worshiping Jesus Christ. The more knowledge of God that we accrue in our lives, the more responsibility there is to worship Jesus for all that he is and all that he has done. Keep going in the text. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, not offered to us, not set beside us in case we desire it or get an opportunity to take it. No, he's given it to us. We just got back from Christmas, right? And I presume that we were giving a lot of gifts. The idea that we would give a gift to someone because they've earned it or not give a gift to someone because they didn't earn it, that's absurd, right? Like we give good gifts to our children because we love them and we wanna show them that we love them. Same goes with our spouse and family and friends. Well, how much greater, how much more mind-blowing is the perfect, holy love of God freely given to the imperfect sinner by a holy, righteous, never-sinning Savior? Incredible, right? And yet, isn't it easy to blow past the truth that Jesus gave his life to save me when I was far from God? You wanna have a great year in 2021? Don't miss the truth of the gospel that has changed your life. John keeps going. That we should be called the children of God and so we are. Called the children of God. He made you that. God made you a child of God. You didn't claim that name. You didn't pick up that name. God made you a child of God. He changed your status, but he also changed your nature. This is the power of the gospel. Ephesians 2, you know this, it says it this way. You were dead in your trespasses and sins following the course of this world, but God, who is rich in mercy, made you alive in Christ Jesus. By grace, you have been saved. God took you as a son of disobedience, and he made you a child of God. And John writes, and so we are. Like if God says it, it's true. If God calls you his child, it's true. This is something easy to forget, I get it. But even in the midst of the worst year or the worst day of our lives, remembering and seeing and savoring the goodness of Jesus to save our souls can spark praise in the midst of the worst day and in the worst year that we could possibly face. You wanna have a great year in 2021? Don't get your eyes off of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Glorify God in gospel gratitude. Let's keep going. The second thing, the second Resolution for today is this, the Christ abiding disciple resolves to embrace their identity in a foreign land. The Christ abiding disciple resolves to embrace their identity in a foreign land. And John continues to write in verse one, 
the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. Stop there. He says the world does not know us, that these people who are walking around as children of God, this church that he's writing to, walking around as saved individuals, John says, you know what? Don't be surprised if the world around you does not understand what you're living for. Just let me give you a little bit of historical background for this letter that John wrote to this church, okay? First John was a letter written to a church that was being challenged by false ideologies, a false theology. See, there were people in this church that were claiming the name of Jesus Christ, and yet they were living their life for the world. They were living their life however they wanted. I think that that culture, that ideology is very much alive in our culture, in the Western church even today, that you can claim the name of Jesus, that you can desire an eternal destination and an eternal change, but you never want to give up your sin. Grace abounds, I can live however I want and claim the name of Jesus. And John's writing passionately saying, yo, it can't be like that. If you're gonna be a child of God, that's not what following Jesus looks like. First John was written to those whose lives were characterized by patterns of unbroken sin. John's addressing those who claimed the name of Christ were in the world, but they still loved the world. Look back at chapter two, verse 15 through 17. I'll read it for you, but earlier in 1 John chapter two, verse 15 through 17, John wrote this to the church. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So the love that he has given to the children of God is not in those who still love the world. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. You wanna abide forever? Then you will follow the will of God, the word of God, the law of God. You wanna have a shallow faith? that on the surface may look and claim to know Jesus, but deep down you are lost, then you will love the things of the world and you will be tossed to and fro in the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And John, he writes, beloved, those born of love, those changed by love, beloved, we are God's children now. There's a distinction of what we were and who we are now. We once were children of this world, but now we are different. We once were lost, but now we are found. We once were blind, but now we see. So the children of God are foreigners in this world. This world is not our home. And so let me ask you, how are you doing with that identity as a child of God in a foreign land? Like do the people that you hang out with think you're a little weird? If not, 2020, 2021 may be the year for you to just come out as a follower of Jesus Christ. Like let the people that you work with, let the people that you go to school with, let the people that you rub shoulders with on a regular basis know that you're different. 
Like you may be the most smooth person in the room, the easiest person to hang out with, have a conversation with. That's cool. That's great. That's a gift. But at the end of the day, there is a distinct difference between someone who is living their life for Jesus Christ and someone who is living their life for the desires and passions of this world. So don't hide it. Let Jesus be the loudest thing that your life could portray in 2021. The world does not know you because Jesus has changed you. I mean, this is the year, man. The world needs this. Do people that you hang out with say, man, he doesn't talk the same way that I talk. Like, I love this dude. I love hanging out with this guy, but he doesn't go the same places that I go to whenever we go out on business. Or he doesn't go to the same places that I go to. He doesn't hang with the same people. He doesn't get, she doesn't get pulled into the gossip that I always wanna talk about whenever I'm at work. Or maybe they say, he's always talking about Jesus. Like, what's up with that? Like, we, we match up on everything but Jesus. Like, why Jesus? Let Jesus be the loudest thing that your life could portray in 2021. Don't hide it. If God's radically changed your life, let's embrace our identity as children of God in a lost and foreign world. That's number two. The third one, let's keep going. Third resolution for a Christ abiding disciple, he resolves to hope in the perfection that comes with Christ's return. The Christ abiding disciple hopes in the perfection that will come with Christ's return. Pick it up at the end of verse two. He says, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. John's like, what we will be has not yet appeared. Christ abiding disciples live for the future. They live for what is to come, not for what has already come. Colossians 3, two through four says it this way. Seek the things that are above not the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So as you get up every day and you live your life in 2021, we don't live our lives with our eyes focused on what is here. We live our lives focused with our eyes on what is to come. When Christ who is your life now when he called you a child of God, when he saved you by the power of his great love, he deemed you his child and he promises to come again. And as Colossians said, your life is hidden with Christ on high. Doesn't that give you hope this morning as we gather with God's people? 1 John five thirteen. later in 1 John's letter, this, this verse sort of sums up the entire reason that John wrote this letter to this church. And John writes this, I write these things to you who believe in the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. One of the main purposes for John's letter to this church 
is so that they would have confidence and that they could know, they could have the assurance of their salvation, that they are indeed saved. And even though it feels like the world around them has no idea what they're living for or no idea what they're doing, they've actually been set apart by a creator God for a greater purpose, the purpose of worshiping him for all of eternity. I write these things so that you may know you have eternal life so that the people of God could go through this life knowing that they're never gonna die. Could you imagine living 2021 as if you're never gonna die? As if my existence, the reason that I was created is hidden in heaven with Jesus Christ and when I see him, I will be made like him. Imagine living your life that way in 2021. See, the world wants us to get stuck in this self-preservation mode like where we protect ourselves at all costs, we stay anxious about tomorrow, we get depressed about the right now. And God says, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't set your mind on the things of this world. You are a citizen of heaven and when you arrive, there will be no more striving or struggle. You will be like Jesus. So live your life for the glory of God in a foreign land hoping in the perfection that is to come. That's what John's saying to us as we abide in Christ Jesus in 2021. We're living in the already, but not yet. That's what Trent talked about on our Christmas week, remember? The fact that Jesus has already come, and so we get the benefit of being saved by his great love, but the not yet is the fact that I still wrestle with sin every single day. Like I wake up in a world that's broken and I'm tempted by the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And I wanna do what's right, but God's given me his Holy Spirit. That's the already. And he's helping me become more like Jesus. But the not yet is the fact that I wanna be exactly like Jesus and I wanna be perfect and I don't wanna wrestle with the things of this world. Until he comes again, I will wrestle with right and wrong by the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. But when he comes again, I will choose what is right for the rest of my life. Isn't that incredible? And so that's where we have to put our hope in the midst of everything that we face on this earth. When I keep my eyes on that promise that I will see him as he is and be like him, I can live day by day for his glory here. And he says, everyone who hopes in him thus purifies himself as he is Pure. There is a purifying holiness creating power when we anxiously await Christ's return. You know what? It's hard to sin when you're thinking about heaven. It's hard to sin when your eyes are hoping and locked on a savior who will come. When we sin, we get our eyes off of Jesus and off of his perfection and we get our eyes on the things around us. It's hard to sin. You will be purified in your life in 2021 if you are willing to get your eyes on Jesus and anxiously await his return. And we know he's already come. He's good on his promise. And so he will come again. And when you see him, you will be made like him. So putting our hope only in the perfection that will be accompanied when we see Jesus face to face is the only way for us to live our lives for the glory of God. Let's keep going. 
There's a lot in this text. I crammed a lot in those first three verses, okay? But we're gonna spread it out now. Number four is this. The Christ abiding disciple resolves to grow in Christ by practicing righteousness rather than sinfulness. The Christ abiding disciple resolves to grow in Christ by practicing righteousness rather than sinfulness. Let's pick it up in verse four. And John writes, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. There's our word abides. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. So you want a good indicator as to whether or not you are abiding in Christ Jesus? Just look at the sin in your life. Look at the patterns of sin in your life as someone who's trying to follow Jesus. You notice that John uses the word, everyone who makes a practice. He's talking about people who are practicing sin or he says in verse Six, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. So John is saying that habitual, outright, unrepentant sin has no place in the life of a Christ-abiding disciple. In fact, it may be a great indicator that you're not a child of God at all. Remember, John's writing to an audience that wanted to claim the name of Christ and not give up the desires of their own Flesh. What John is showing us in this letter is a few things. He's showing us three things in this section about sin. The first is this. Sin is incompatible with God's law. Okay, so go back to verse four. Everyone who practice, makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So God gave his law in the Old Testament and the law really just shows that we fall short of the glory of God. We could never keep the law as human beings. And so God sent forth his son to die, to take our place on a cross, in our place. And then he rose from the dead and he defeated death and he defeated the grave and he paid the debt that we owed, death, and he made a way that we might live. And so he bestows on us the free gift of his grace by giving us his love and changing us and calling us children of God. But God's law is still a thing. And God's law should be submitted to by people who call themselves children of God. And so in your life, you shouldn't hate God's law. You shouldn't think, oh, the law's passed away and grace abounds now, so I get to live however I want and claim the name of Jesus. That's not how it works. See, when God changes your status, when God changes your nature from son of the world to son of God, he gives you a desire to carry out his law, to submit to his law. And the Bible in Ezekiel says it like this, that he removes our heart of stone, the hard heart, and he replaces it with a heart of flesh. And then he says, I will put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my ways and be careful to obey my laws. So God's all about helping us walk out his law. And so for the person who claims the name of Jesus and yet continually practices sin, continually breaks the law of God, then that's probably a good indicator that Christ is not in you. Sin is incompatible with the law of God. And we know that Jesus came and he kind of made the law of God a little harder almost. Like he's like, if you murder someone, 
you're a sinner. But even if you hate your brother in your heart, you're a murderer. And so, man, now we got to worry about purifying our hearts before this holy God. I mean, becoming a Christian is the greatest miracle that could ever happen when God justifies you. But then, man, this journey of sanctification, this journey of casting off my sin, of rendering sin useless in my life and following God in holiness, that is so important. And John's addressing it in this church. But the second thing, sin is incompatible with the work of Christ. Okay, so it's incompatible with God's law, but it's also incompatible with the work of Christ. Check it out in verse five. You know that Jesus appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin at all. And so if you're abounding in sin, if you're continuing in your sin, if you're making a practice of your sin, then you're upholding something. You're glorifying something that Jesus came to destroy. Sin's incompatible with the work of Christ. And not only that, but Jesus had no sin in him. The desire of a Christian, of a Christ abiding disciple is to be made like Christ. And Jesus had no sin. But there's another thing John's showing us. I want you to jump to verse nine. And John writes, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning for God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. So sin is incompatible with his law. Sin is incompatible with the work of Jesus Christ. But sin's also incompatible with the Holy Spirit in your life if you're a believer. I love this passage because the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit all show up in it shows how God is working on our behalf if we truly are a child of the most high God. Anyone born of God, the seed of God that abides in you is the Holy Spirit present in your life. The seed of God is planted in the believer so they are truly made new. The Spirit produces a new birth. And if the Holy Spirit is truly in you, God's helper for the believer to work out their salvation, you will not make a practice of continually sinning in your life. And that's what we're inclined to do as human beings, right? Make bad practices in our lives. As children of God, born of love, born of God, we all sin, but we don't habitually do it. And in 2021, everybody's making resolutions to better themselves. The Christ abiding disciple resolves to practice righteousness at all costs. Look at verse seven. He says, little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. The abiding disciple is dominated by a desire for righteousness. Do you have that in your life? Are you dominated by a desire to be like Jesus, to be righteous as Jesus is righteous, to purify yourself as he is pure, as you await his second coming? The dramatic miracle that changes our life from son of the devil to a child of God demands and enables a dramatic change in our lifestyle, an ability to choose righteousness over sin. And so I gotta ask you, Gospel City Church, how are you doing 
with that? Are you making a practice of sin? Can you look at your life and say, you know what? This is the area. If I was legit challenged in this, if I put all my cards on the table, I would not wanna give this up. But I, but I also love my faith community where I come and I feel good and I sing songs and I open my Bible and I look the part. But Monday through Saturday, man, I, I, I like to glory in some of these things. Is that you? Can you look at your life and honestly say those things? You know, the world has so many tools for you to practice sinning. Like the world's throwing tools at us so that we can practice sin. Here's one, not the mask. This iPhone, this little device, man. Like you wanna get caught up in the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. You can look at stuff on this little device that you should not look at. And you can do it in secret. No one can know about it. You talk about the lust of the flesh. Man, I can start to feel bad about myself, anxious about tomorrow as I start to look at everybody else's life. And I'm like, oh man, like my life isn't as good as their life. And they seem like they have it all together on Instagram. And, and, and man, that, like they got all the things. I, I need, I, like, I, I'm, and then you start to covet. You get the pride of life. You start to live your life for the likes that you get. Like you're constantly checking social media to see, oh, did somebody like me? Or did they return my email? Or did they get texts? And I have like 800 texts. Like it can make you crazy. This tool can be used for the glory of God, absolutely. But this tool can help you practice sin. Is that, what, is that what it's doing for you? And there's so many others. But what tools do you have to practice righteousness? That's why I think that the gathering, the body of Jesus Christ, is so important in the life of a, of a believer. You, you, you feel like a foreigner out there. This should feel like a little slice of heaven in here because the people of God are getting together and we're bearing one another's weaknesses. We're finding all things in common. We're sinners saved by grace. It's the one thing that we have in common. And we can hold each other accountable. What tools do you have? The 100-day Bible reading card. That's a tool that can be offered to a Christ-abiding disciple. You can go to mygospelcity.org slash plan. You could download it. You could start it the next 100 days. But you know what? When you're reading your Bible that much, you're gonna have less time for the internet. You're gonna have less time for your phone. You're gonna have less time for social media, less time for TV. And the truth of God's word might just transform your life. How about a small group or accountability? Man, accountability is one of the most important tools that a Christ-abiding disciple could ever have to practice righteousness. Do you have accountability? Like, are you in a small group? I know so many people in our church are in small groups. We can't emphasize enough how important small groups are. Is it always convenient? Nope. Do you always wanna go? Definitely not. <laughs> but when you get there and when you sit in a circle and you start you know, talking about what God's word says and how it applies to my life and what I'm going through and what you're going through. And then you break up in guys and girls for accountability and you start confessing sin to one another and your brother asks you, hey dude, how you doing with this? Can I, can I hold you accountable in that? And, and oh man, let me pray with you that you'd have victory in this area. That is important for the life of any believer. You cannot grow as a disciple in isolation. You can't do it. You'll flame out. You'll burn out, you'll crash and burn. The people of God need one another. That's why the gathering is so important. This gathering moves us into smaller groups and then maybe you have an even smaller group of people that you really trust that you're 
speaking back and forth with, praying for one another, holding one another accountable. How about the personal discipleship plan? Have you seen that? I should have printed one out. I'll get one for next service. But you can go on our website and find the personal discipleship plan. It's right there, mygospelcity.org slash plan. And this was something that we created. We rolled it out at the beginning of September. But this is a tool so that the people of God can practice righteousness. That's it. Instead of sin, practice righteousness. I'll tell you, a, a journal is a tool that I use in my personal life. And you know what I did? I took the personal discipleship plan and I wrote out all of the, the areas. So the personal discipleship plan will help you with spiritual health, relational health. It's not magic. It's just you practicing righteousness. Stewardship of time, talent, treasure. Stewardship of mind and body, living scent. And then each section has a question. What is bearing fruit? What am I lacking? What are steps to grow in? And I wrote all those things down and I put them on paper and I, I took some time to write it out and took some time to reflect on my life. And then guess what? I grabbed two guys that I trust and I went and sat at coffee on an evening and I, I, I shared everything. Hey, these are the things I need to grow in. Like these are the areas where I'm mega lacking. And can you hold me accountable? Can you ask me about those things from time to time? Will you pray for me? And you know what? It's about six months later. So it's time for me to re-up. It's time for me to go through these things and mark down, hey, here's where I had a victory in my life. Hey, here's some patterns that are starting to evolve that like I should probably get rid of or I should probably call into account. Like you gotta work at these things because the world's not throwing this kind of stuff at you. But you should be thankful for a church that would wanna give you a tool to practice righteousness. Pull that out in your small group. Pull that out in your accountability time. Pull that out in your personal life. Find a way as you continue to abide in Jesus Christ to practice righteousness the way that God has called us to. It's for his glory, amen? We're going to number five. The Christ abiding disciple resolves to go as the hands and feet of Jesus by loving others, to go as the hands and feet of Jesus by loving others. You catch what I did there? Got glorify, got grow, got go in there. If you're a Gospel City Church member, the disciple glorifies, gathers, grows, and goes. We talked about why the gathering's so important. But I mean, this is serious stuff. It's, it's all in God's word. You wanna be a Christ-abiding, gospel-centered, glorifying disciple? Let's glorify, let's gather, let's grow, and let's go in 2021. But pick it up in verse 10. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. So we've talked about that. But then check this out. Nor is the one who does not love his brother. So the indicators of a Christ-abiding disciple, are they practice righteousness and are they loving others? Are they loving those around them. It's consistent with God's law, right? When, when the Pharisees asked Jesus to sum up the commandments, the law, he said, love God and love people. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That sounds a whole lot like practicing righteousness, doesn't it? And then he says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Let's keep reading in chapter three. We'll jump around a little. Verse 11 says, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And then jump down to verse 16. By this, we know 
love that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. See the kind of love the father has given to you. Jesus died on a cross in your place. He didn't deserve to die, you did. And yet Jesus took all of that sin and shame on himself and he died for you. And that same kind of love that Jesus has had for you, you as a child of God should be showing to others. Jesus was our example of love and his love was sacrificial. His love was undeserved. His love was unconditional. It wasn't conditioned on the things that I've done. He loved me anyways, regardless of my sinful nature that rebelled against him and had my back towards him. Even while I was an enemy of God, Christ died for me. It was a generous love. Look at verse 17. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? That's practical. If it's in your power to do good, do good. Proverbs 3.27 says, do not withhold good from those with whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. So I don't know everything about my brother's story. I don't know what is going on in his life, but I know that I can meet a need that he has right now. And so I'm gonna meet that need to the glory of God in generosity because God's been generous to me. Look in verse 18. Little children, let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. It's like he's saying words are cheap. Don't talk the talk without walking the walk. It makes me think of an apology. Like it's easy to say sorry when you know you've done something wrong, but then you keep saying sorry and you keep doing the same thing. My wife's told me that before. Like, hey, I hear you saying sorry, but could you just stop doing the thing? And it's like, ouch, right? <laughs> uh, but, but seriously, that's true. Like I don't need to say like, I love you. Hey brother, I love you. May the love of Christ be among us. I don't need to just talk the talk without ever showing someone in deed and in truth that I actually love them and the love of Christ resides in me. Let me talk about how I believe Gospel City Church is dealing with this and challenge you hopefully to continue to do it. Uh, in 2021, uh, I see people in our church loving others. One example is Transformation Ministries. Uh, Transformation Ministries, I see it's a great partnership that we have in local missions and they uh, have about 80 kids in the South Bend area that are partnered up there and everybody's partnered with a, a mentor and not all the, relation, not all the mentor mentee relationships are awesome. Some are great, some are hard, uh, different situations. Um, there's families though that are connected there. And I started, my wife and I started getting involved a few years ago, but our church man has loved in truth. We have like 17 to 19 mentors that have come from Gospel City Church to go to transformation. So 17 to 19 people are partnered up one to one with these students and they're telling them about Jesus and they're bearing with them and hearing their struggles and going out with them and hanging out and trying to lead them to church and different things like that. That's cool. 
And then we have people who are giving generously, like you guys gave over $400 in Aldi gift cards over Thanksgiving and Christmas. We filled their Christmas store. We ran their Christmas store uh, with them. And we were able to give like over 30 turkeys. It was just awesome. There's so much generosity. That's a way to love in not just word, but in deed and in truth. Some other ways, uh, even Life Plan, who we're partnering with, it's Sanctity of Life Month. And so we're giving out these bottles. Take that into your home, teach your kids that part of abiding in Jesus Christ is that we love others. And one of the ways we're gonna do it is we're gonna fill this bottle with as much change as we possibly can so that we can be ambassadors for this great truth that life should happen and that God creates people in the womb and that God cares about those things, right? Like that's a way to love one another and the meal trains at Gospel City Church are constantly happening. But I remember there's a missionary, a a Jesus follower that we support at this church and they're in a hard place uh, overseas somewhere. And I remember them saying one time, I had it written in my phone, but they said this, perhaps loving God by becoming literal neighbors with specific people and loving them well is most effective for gospel advancement. People need to see the beauty of Jesus changing us personally. And I just love that. Like they moved their life to go be neighbors with someone so that they could just show them Jesus. And guess what? You don't gotta move somewhere. You can do that because you're already a neighbor to somebody. You're a neighbor to people that you work with. You're a neighbor to people who live across the street from you. You're a neighbor to people that you go to school with people that you sit in the same row as. How can you show the love of Jesus Christ to the brothers and sisters that God has put around you in 2021? Notice how John closes, look in verse 23. This is his commandment, that we believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us, love God, love people glorify God, make disciples. That's the mission of this church. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Stand to your feet with me. and Can you just remain in a posture of prayer? Maybe bow your heads for a moment, open your hands to the Lord. First John chapter four, he goes on, he says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The temptation of a message like this for the Christ abiding disciple is to say, you know what, I know all those things. I've yet to meet the person who does all these things perfectly. And so everyone today can walk out of this place with some kind of resolution. Everyone watching and worshiping from home today can make some kind of resolution to glorify God in their life in 2021. Maybe it's just waking up 
and remembering the good news of the gospel each day. Maybe it's living out loud for Jesus Christ. Maybe it's getting your eyes on heaven more. Maybe it's picking up the personal discipleship plan and really thinking about your righteousness. Maybe it's loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Ask him to show you what you can do. Sounds a lot like the song that we sang right before I came up. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. That's loving God. That's righteousness. But then it says, fill me. Show me your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. So as we love God in holy adoration, he sends us out to love others.